Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. Latest episode of Marvel What If dropped earlier today. Uh, This one detailed what might have happened if Thor had been an only child. What did you think, Aaron? This was really kind of a comic romp, right? Oh, yeah, it was very fun. It's probably the funniest out of all of them. I laughed. There were probably more laughs per minute in this one episode than just about anything I've watched on television or in film in the last six months. It's just damn funny. I agree. I agree. But for those of you who haven't seen it, it's basically house party, but on a planetary scale. The premise is Thor's mom is away, but Heimdall is is keeping an eye on him while he's on Asgard, so he decides to go to Midgard and party there with his friends. We saw the Eiffel Tower, because Thor had to go there to get crepes. We saw them comically defacing Mount Rushmore. Was, yeah, I think it was the Ice Giants that were doing that, right? Because they put, like, you know... Frozen beards and mustaches on the president faces. And then uh, Seder was the one that was hitting on the Statue of Liberty and accidentally melted her arm off. There we go. There we go. And Thor rather deliberately knocked down Stonehenge and was about to slide down the Opera House in Sydney, when Captain Marvel intervened. Out of all of the chaos, the one gag that that gave me a laugh out of nowhere yeah. was, he's you know, he's got to clean up before Mom shows up. Yeah. That's like the, the, the end premise. But he's doing his cleanup, and he straightens the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And I wonder if, <laughs> if there should have been a shot going, like, whispering in his ear. Oh, by the way, that one's supposed to be like that. And he, and he goes and pushes it back over, uh, right? There should have been that that correction. But it was a funny gag. I really liked it. It, well, it was a funny gag, and I give him overcome. Did you notice that out of all the places we saw, all of these icons around the globe, not a single Disney theme park? First off, Disney just wouldn't allow that kind of nonsense in their parks. (laughs) They'd get one look at Thor and say, no, sir. No, sir. You take your rabble rousers in, you turn right around and get out of here. This is the happiest place on earth, not the most chaotic place on earth. And we don't serve never ending mugs of beer. And and at that, Thor would have went, well, fooey, and turned around and walked away. Okay. That that may well be. And speaking of which, on previous shows, we have talked about the voice cast they've assembled for this. And I know you're not as impressed as, uh, by this aspect of Marvel What If as I am. By the way, as as you read this entire cast list of everybody who's been in the damn MCU, because everybody was in this movie from every er, from this episode, mm-hmm. every movie, they pulled everybody. So Jim's going to read the entirety of the MCU cast list. I'm going to play in memoriam <laughs> music in the background just to show you how music can subtly change the tone of the topic, whether you like it or not. Jim, go ahead I, and read. I, See now, and everyone else is gonna laugh because it's gonna sound like they're all dead. I, 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 for me, <laughs> the fact that, for example, they got Natalie Portman to come back yeah. and do Jane Foster, uh, or for that matter, Jeff Goldblum, you know, as the Grandmaster has what two, maybe three lines, but they they got him back as well. It didn't take a whole lot to get a voice okay. nowadays. I mean, all right, I, again, I'm impressed by this. Aaron is not. We're broadcasting from our bedrooms, by the way. Go ahead. Okay. So, well, speaking of the members of the vocal cast, uh, of course, Jeffrey Wright, you know, does a superb job as the watcher, the the, the narrator of this show, so to speak. And, and Jeffrey's landed the, uh, another gig. I really believe that this is all stemming from 
his time in Westworld. Oh, no doubt. It's a I, I think job that's there. where he came to the forefront as this quiet, stoic, noble authority figure somehow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have him as the Watcher, obviously, in, in What If. But coming up in Neil Gaiman's Sandman mm-hmm. Act 2, he will be playing Destiny. Mm-hmm. And who's Destiny? Well, Destiny has the entire book of everything that's ever happened, ever will happen, sitting in front of him. And he reads from it. And he knows everything, but he does not interfere. Man, what kind of character does that seem like to you, Jim? Is it reminiscent of anything he's done in the last, I don't know, half hour? (laughs) So hard for me to say. But no, you're right. You're right. Right. Um, And he's also going to be coming up as uh, playing Jim Gordon in the upcoming Batman movie with Robert Pattinson as well. That is definitely inspired. Yeah. And is this the same group that did the the Sandman thing that you you were so enthusiastic about? I want to say this time last year, right? Yeah, this is actually Act 2 from the Audible series. Mm -hmm. Right now, Act 1 has been free for like the last month or so. Same director, same voice cast that we started off with. Mm -hmm. And it's massive. I mean, we got B.B. Newworth in Mm it playing a cat. She plays two different characters. Mm-hmm. One of them is a speaking Siamese cat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you've just got uh, an amazing cast. And matter of fact, I'm gonna we're gonna play a, a clip mm-hmm. that they've been teasing that they've posted online to tease the upcoming season two. This will feature Jeffrey Wright as Destiny. We've got James McAvoy who's playing Morpheus, the, the lead of the Sandman story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Kat Dennings, who we know and love in the MCU as Darcy, right? She plays Dream's sister, Death, mm-hmm. and she makes a great death. Mm-hmm. She's so chipper. Mm-hmm. And so new to the cast, we, we have not yet met. One of my very favorite characters out of all of the Sandman lore is uh, Delirium. And so when you read the comics, Dream is written, his word bubbles are black Mm -hmm. and the words are white. And he's got this very grim tone. Delirium doesn't make a lot of sense, but her word bubbles are more tie-dyed and the lettering changes as she speaks. And I always wondered, what does that sound like? Mm -hmm. And you know what it sounds like, Jim? It sounds like Kristen Shawl. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. So we're going to take a listen now to The Endless. Mm -hmm dream and destiny and death and delirium and uh despair joins the cast as well as they all talk about what's to come in the new season of sandman act two and i get to hear delirium say look guys i made butterflies check it out i suppose you must be wondering why i called you all here yes the three sisters visited my garden earlier this day Triodities? In one aspect. The Grey Women. The Fates? Here? That is... Indeed. I mean... This place is fate. It seems like the last place they would choose to manifest. Choose? What is this? There is a sudden fluttering of tiny wings from Delirium's fingers. I just made butterflies! Two butterflies dance in the air over the table. Look, everybody! Look at what I just did! Butterflies! No matter. As for what they wanted, their pronouncements were unsurprisingly oracular and ambiguous. 
I consulted my book. It described my encounter with the three. It clarified much that they described obliquely. Something important will happen. Something that sparks a chain of events, causing much change and upheaval. And what is that occasion? This meeting. That is all. And I am so enthusiastic, Jim, that fills my heart with joy to hear Kristen Schaal's delirium. Yeah, but, uh, well, again, I'm I'm a big Kristen Schaal fan from, you know, I mean, just from Gravity Falls, her work is Mabel Dare. Right. But, oh, no, that's killer. That's killer. So... One thing to wrap this up, and, and I, I do believe this is the treat mm. the, uh, to end all treats, is that a lot of folks who are vision impaired mm. have been really, really praising these performances because obviously with their vision impairment, they were not able to read the Sandman comics and see the illustrations and whatnot. And they're able to dive in to have an audio version of this experience that is really brought to life with the sound effects and the acting and whatnot. So they, they're getting to experience the Sandman for the first time in a truly authentic, beautiful, wonderfully constructed way. And so I highly recommend it to anyone that just wants to go on the adventure. But if you know someone who's visually impaired that just loves a good story, gift this to them through Audible and they'll be your friend for the rest of eternity. And then beyond that, coming up in, in uh, 2022, hopefully, as long as no more COVID delays, we'll have Sandman on Netflix, the, the visual form. Mm. Oh, I can't wait. Wow. All right, back to Marvel. I'm done. Okay, I, no, no, I no, cleanse no, myself. No, again, always important to sort of bump out the borders of the show. Just to pivot, though, back to what if. This, you know, if there were an only child episode, would, would lighten comic right up to the very end, and then we got the uh, what appeared to be a new enemy of Earth uh, coming on the scene. And, and correct me if I'm... No. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That basically looked like Ultron-inspired armor with at least one of them wearing the Infinity Stones as sort of an adornment on their suit? Did you see the same thing? Or? You're close. Okay. You're close. Okay. See, the giveaway was when the Ultron helmet popped open. Mm -hmm. Who was inside of it? Is Who do you know that has a giant glowing gold stud of a jewel in their forehead? Uh, That's Vision. Are you kidding So Vision... No, I'm not kidding. You go back and take another look at it. How many how many people do you know with a a, a, a jewel uh, stuck in their forehead? See, this is the thing. I I I looked down. I didn't look up. I saw the the Infinity Stones and oh, jeez. Yeah, they show the rest of the Infinity Stones in the breastplate of the armor, mm -hmm. but the one is missing, and that one is in the forehead of the person who's wearing the armor. So. Uh -huh. We have Infinity Armor instead of Gauntlet mm -hmm. and uh, Vision showing up to who knows what Vision is going to do. That's where it ends. And mm. I, I, I kind of hope that we revisit this. Well, again, again, remember in a future episode, right? Yeah, this is episode seven. We have three left for the first season of Marvel's What If? And we've been hearing that the final episode of season one will sort of everything we've seen to date will sort of fold in on itself. So going to be interesting to see if we just saw our big bad for the season finale. But speaking of things that set the stage, so to speak, uh, news just broke yesterday that on November 12th, which is the second anniversary of the launch of Disney Plus, the company's hugely successful subscription streaming service. On that date, Marvel Studios will be making a brand new special available to Disney Plus subscribers that will feature an exciting look towards the future of the MCU. 
By the way, November 12th, which Disney is now trying to hype as Disney Plus Day, that comes the day after Veterans Day, November 11th, which I don't know necessarily if that's the smartest play, especially after what recently happened in Afghanistan. I, I think, like, I get the feeling this year's Veterans Day is going to hit a little harder than usual, and for Disney to expect people to pivot immediately and, hey, look at all the cool shows that are coming on our, our subscription streaming service. Maybe this isn't the year to do that? Or just the just the, the month or the week to do yeah. it. I mean, distance yourself by a week or two. Yeah. I mean, first off, I wouldn't have made that connection one way or the other. Mm -hmm. If you would have told me the date that they were putting it out, yep. and even if Veterans Day happened the day before, mm -hmm. and the Disney thing happened the day after, yep. I still would make no connection between the two. Okay. Like, there's there's no thread for me to go, aha, oh, what a poor choice on your behalf, Disney, because I don't I don't see anything that connects them that is in poor taste. No, I get, you know? I, um, I get that. And I, I, I say that as a veteran and, you know, that, that maybe I'm reading a little too much into the situation, but it just... Now, if they, it, now if they were to do it on Veterans Day uh, and do some animation with a flag yeah. and, you know, in honor of supporting our troops by a subscription to our streaming service, okay. I would say, well, poo all over that. Okay. All right. I withdraw the comment, but but just saying that, that, that maybe the PR intern here, take a look at the calendar. Let's see. Beyond that, speaking of November 12th, November 12th was the day that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings will be available to Disney Plus viewers uh, to watch at home. Uh, likewise, on that same day, we're going to get the Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt Jungle Cruise movie. Now we know when Shang-Chi will debut on Disney+, Plus, but we still don't know when, if ever, this film will be released in China. Just over the last week or so, the New York Times did a, a piece of size about this, and it's just incredibly frustrating at Disney, because in the same window of time, Propaganda Office of the Chinese government uh, agreed to release the latest James Bond film, as well as the most recent version of Dune, uh, which is produced by Legendary Pictures and released to Warner Brothers. Dune will be released in China on the exact same day that it, it becomes uh, available to release to theaters here in the States, October 22nd. By the way, same day, this version of Dune will be available for viewing on HBO Max, whereas No Time to Die begins training in Chinese theaters on October 29th, one week after Dune is released in that country. And I know in the last show we, we talked about why exactly the propaganda arm of the Chinese government has been reluctant to release Shang-Chi. has largely to do with an interview that Samuel Liu did several years ago with the actor who plays the title role in Shang-Chi, talked about how his parents immigrated from third world China, that's again the word he used, where people were dying of starvation. And this is supposedly what Lou's parents told him. The video that featured this interview, no longer available online. However, comments that Samu made back in 2016, when he was a member of the cast of Kim's Convenience, have now surfaced. And these two are critical of the Chinese government. Here's the quote that's been giving Disney senior management members heartburn. It's like he, uh, Samu supposedly said, I think countries that try to censor and cover up dissenting ideas rather than face them and deal with them are out of touch with reality, which in and of itself would have been open for interpretation. In fact, somebody on Twitter commented after the interview, you know, to the effect of, well, that sounds like America. 
But then Mr. Liu posted a response uh, specifically stating, I was referring to the Chinese government censorship. It's really immature and out of touch. So you tell me, Aaron, do you see any wiggle room? I'm not Chinese, Mm -hmm. but I've always had the understanding that, you know, if they make up their mind about a thing, Mm -hmm. they really don't change their mind about that thing. And no amount of discussion is going to change it. And usually it only makes it more firm in their stance of, no, go away. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I, I don't know. Now, uh, just to lighten the subject just a tiny little bit, mm-hmm. uh, Simu, you, you know, he started his career as a model for stock photos. He did. He did. Yes. Yep. So uh, my first act as uh, owner and president of Aza Prod was to buy some of those photos and put them up on the website to make it look like he's one of the producers <laughs> in our studios. And it's like, hey, guys, check it out. I've got uh, Shang-Chi. Mixing sound over here. I don't think anyone's believing it, but it only costs $5 for the gag, so what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) That is cool. That is cool. In a weird sort of way, Disney has been in the doghouse with the Chinese government for a while now. And and some of that, if you heard about how the current leader of China had images of Winnie the Pooh censored in Chinese media because people kept pointing out that they look the same and he was offended you know if he would put on pants i mean that's (laughs) a simple start right there there we go there we go but oh but from disney's side of the fence this is just at this point it's maddening because it's like this past weekend third week in a row shang chi was number one at the domestic box office but not being able to release this in china is really gonna ding the overall uh, international box office potential of this this distant Daniel Cretton film. Uh, you know, to date, by the way, uh, Shang Chi has sold 178 million worth of tickets domestically, 128 overseas. So we have a worldwide box office total of 306 million. And I was told confidentially by somebody at Disney that if this had opened in China, they feel confident that they'd be past half a billion dollars at this point. So that gives you some idea of what. Disney feels like is being left on the table because this film can't open in China. And with COVID and if wishes and nuts and candies and you know that song, right? If wishes and butts for candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. I know I have heard it. I just I'm, I'm having trouble placing who recorded it. It usually comes out of the the person who's telling you to just get over it, <laughs> sings it to you, and well, you go, oh, go. you're such a, yeah, that's that's usually the, the recording artist of someone telling you, build a bridge and get over it, my friend. It okay, well, then, then let's just, let's wrap up the Shang-Chi news for now. And, and speaking of news, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jimmy Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, we were just talking about Dennis Villeneuve, the director of Dune Reboot who, while he was out doing uh, publicity for his Legendary Pictures production, Dennis pulled a Martin Scorsese. Dennis is out doing publicity for this thing, and he gets asked about the MCU, and his response is, too many Marvel movies are nothing more than a cut and paste of other films from that series. And what was kind of interesting was to see who stepped up to defend the series. And in this case, it was Scott Derrickson, the director of the original Doctor Strange. He tweeted out uh, actually a two-part response. 
The first part starts off by saying, as a director, I don't slag on the work of other directors. Even when I don't like something they've made, this job is hard enough for all of us and no one ever sets out to make a bad movie. So it's like, okay, consider yourself slapped down. And then the next tweet was, anyone who lambasts Marvel movies as being all the same has either A, not seen them all and therefore shouldn't assume that they're all the same, or B, has seen them all because, hey, there's actually quite a lot to like about watching Marvel movies. And this new Dune film is setting up a sequel. You know, They're hoping to finally be able to do a series of films based on the, the, the Frank Herbert novels. But it all depends on the first Dune movie making money. And that bugs the ever-loving snot out of me, Jim. Does it really? I, I, it really does, because I, I like Dune quite a bit as okay. a, a property. Mm-hmm. And I wish they would have just gone Lord of the Rings with it and committed. The full story takes three movies. Or mm-hmm. in this case, if they felt it took two. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's still talking about a trilogy, because I think he was talking about, I don't know if it was Children of Dune after that. As being a movie, but he's talking about a trilogy where it's Dune Part 1 and 2 and then sequel. Mm-hmm. And th- the sequel I don't really care about as mm-hmm. much right now. I just want the complete story. Similar to It yep. from Stephen King, 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just film half of it and then cross your fingers and go, well, I hope it, it makes the, the money and will do too. Because then you have to wait And, you know, I mean, like, first you have to wait for the movie to come out and Mm -hmm. they have to bean count and then they have to make the decision and then they go and hire somebody to start writing and then they go, you know what I mean? Like the whole train has to start from zero miles per hour and get all the way back up to speed again. Whereas if you go Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, you can film parts, you know, in the same location that will be over two or three movies that you're going to come back to and expedite the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, you need somebody at the studio level who sees that. In fact, there's that famous story. Well, about- first off, I'll let you continue. But first off, the argument is who the flip wants to hear half of a story? Nobody. So tell the full story. No matter. And that's where the discussion begins. What's it cost to tell the full story? If it's two movies, what's the price tag and green light it? Don't talk about half a story and we'll see because that's just stupid. But okay, go ahead. Uh, but again, you know, it's one of these situations where if you know the real history of Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson originally was going to be making that with Miramax, and and you know that that's you know the Weinstein. That was going to be two movies, and then it was supposed finally... to be you know it, it was two, and, and in fact yeah. it it was very frustrating to, to Peter, but and in the end, Harvey just kept nickel and diming him that you know to the point where it's like, look. You know, I I have to go make this someplace else. And the wine scenes insisted on, okay, we'll let you find someplace else to, to produce this, but we get a cut. We've worked hard on this. And, you know, that, that if these movies get made, we want our share. And so Peter goes to the folks at New Line. And, you know, there's this same story where he's sitting there pitching this two-part version of Lord of the Rings. And Jackson finishes his pitch, and it's like, and the executive goes, wait a minute, Lord of the Rings, right? That's three books. Why are you making two movies? This should be three movies. And and Jackson (laughs) describes almost coming across the desk to kiss the executive because like, oh, my God, somebody who gets it. That's who Dennis should have hooked up with originally, (sighs) you know, for, for this project was what's it cost to, you know, what's it take to tell the full story? 
because the fact of the matter is it's not a story that you can probably tell in one sitting. You know, it's too dense, so you're, you're going to have to commit to a split somewhere in, in the midway point of the story mm-hmm. for someone to use a bath, you know, rest, sleep comfortably, eat food, uh, you know, use the bathroom and come back the next day to tell the rest of this, you know, really, really long story. So we've gotten way, way off track, but I love Dune and I want him to do it right. And, and no, I'll no, fight no, for no. that one. No, I, I, I get that. And in fact, we are in this weird moment of such show business. We are, you know, just in theory coming out of the pandemic and, you know, a lot of the films got delayed and Dune's history as a, a film and television project colored the decision to the effect of, okay, let's do one and see if there's a response and then maybe we'll do the sequel, which brings us back to the point of, you know, here's Dennis out, you know, saying this thing about the MCU films, which is why executives at both Legendary and Warner's reportedly came down hard on him to the effect of, look, we're only making the next one of these if it makes money. Mm. And if you're out there insulting Marvel fans who then... God help us boycott or even worse, you know, remember how was it the executives uh, at Warner Brothers who freaked out because of the Snyder fans who who went over to Rotten Tomatoes and, and went after the Marvel movies with a notion of this will somehow convince the folks at Warner's to make the Snyder cut. It's so strange what will actually affect the decision whether or not to go forward with the production of a film. And and this is part of that calculus. So it's like, have we learned nothing from Bambi? Or do you remember Thumper? If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. One very slight tangent uh, that I think is relevant to the MCU Mm -hmm. is back in the olden day when uh, they were trying to do Stephen King's The uh, Gunslinger series. Oh, yes. Do you remember Ron Howard's original uh, pitch on that was do a film, (sighs) then you do a season of TV, then you go back to film, then you do a season of TV. You remember that? Yeah, that that, that sounds strangely familiar for some reason. I I, I can't place why. No, at the time, it was a brilliant idea. And I, I think you could do that with something like Dune, but geez, oh, Pete's the MCU is just proving it in spades because they can shuffle any of their properties from one place to another. It can be on the small screen or the big screen mm-hmm. in, in the stroke of a pen. Mm-hmm. It's who's writing the material and, and, you know, what are they doing with the character and, and who do they got to choose from to tell that story? And, you know, WandaVision, or, well, Wanda was mm-hmm. part of WandaVision. And now she's going to be part of Doctor Strange Mm -hmm. like that. She went from filming on one set to filming on another. Mm -hmm. And uh, Disney and Marvel are proving that you can have a bigger scope than just the films. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine if Bond went, you know, and did a season Mm -hmm. of television that climaxed in a film. That'd be awesome. Now that would be awesome. And I, I, I love that you made the connection, too. I, I remember when that was being pitched and, and how brave and, oh, it seems stupid to the exact... I mean, you know, yeah. people that had money, they're like, are you nuts? Do you yeah. know what kind of gamble that is? What kind yeah. of risk you got to take? And it's like, yeah. yeah, but you guys have made a season of television before, right? Mm-hmm. You've made a, a movie before, right? Okay, now do them both with telling the same story, except one continues. It's like X-Files when mm-hmm. that was a series and then we got a movie like, whoa, mm-hmm. hey, everybody, mm-hmm. this is an event. Remember that? That was an mm-hmm. event thing. It, it wasn't so great as a film, but... 
X-Files fans showed up. But again, I, re- I remember when that was proposed, the notion of film, then the season of television to push the story forward, then another mm-hmm. film. I want to say, were there three films and two seasons of the show? Was that the proposal? And again, just seemed so so brave, so out there then and now to see that really is the Marvel playbook. Holy cow, I love you yeah. that you made that connection. When some of the some of the execs weren't even uh, had enough vision, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, this is how myopic and short sighted some people can be. Mm-hmm. Was there's no way that you can get a TV star who can translate over to film, or a film <laughs> star that would degrade themselves to be on television for a season, right? If you're a film star, you're a film star. You would never step down to the tube. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, hey, can I have one of them nine hour shows? Because that's a hefty, healthy paycheck. That is, that is right. Oh. I'm a working actor. I need to eat. I don't care. (laughs) And the way the lines have blurred. So, well, speaking though, we were just talking about an animation. And when we get back from this break, we'll we'll talk further about some of the stuff that's coming uh, from Marvel Animation. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to start the second half of the show with a note of congratulations. Uh, Victoria Alonzo, who's a 15-year veteran of Marvel Studios, just this past week was promoted to the president of physical and post-production, visual effects, and animation production at Marvel Studios. Oh, we have a gift for her. Hold on. Mm-hmm. We just, Jim, we just got these fresh from the factory. We've been out of uh, uh, Marvelous Disney Cool Points for like <laughs> well, the last month. I ordered more. There, If you can hear that beeping sound, that's the forklift bringing them in. Oh, cool. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so she's going to get, mm-hmm. check this out, biggest we've ever done. Okay. 50 Marvelous Disney Cool Points all in one bundle congratulations we're so proud of you okay and for those of us who are having trouble getting a, a visual on this how many zendayas is that again oh geez that's about three zendayas worth i mean Oof. they're they're very thick so they wow. stack up very very quickly so yeah that's that's almost three zendayas worth of marvelous disney cool points and they are very coveted every time i give some away i get hate tweets <laughs> People going, I want to have me some Marvelous Disney cool points. And it's like, hey, we're out. We only bought like 20 of them. We didn't think we'd have a run on them and go through them so fast. But 
Here we are. So that's, thankfully, fresh from the factory, just pressed like hours ago. They're still warm. You can feel them. It's like a hot cake off the griddle. You feel that, Jim? It's warm. I, okay. Ooh, well, like, yeah. you know, just a little side note. At some point, we are going to have to hand one of these off to Zendaya. If she comes on the show, I'll give her one. Okay. One marvelous Disney Cool Point per Zendaya appearance. That's how that trade works. Okay. Well, again, that this promotion of Victoria Alonso, very big deal. Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, noted as he announced the promotion, Victoria has been an incredible partner and part of our team since the very first Iron Man movie. She's the most dynamic, candid, and accessible executive in the industry, and we're thrilled that she'll continue to be by our side in this elevated role as we lead Marvel Studios into the future future. Alonso, when asked about her promotion, specifically what part of her new job that uh, Victoria was most looking forward to, said, I'm especially thrilled about ramping up our studio's animation efforts, which is a personal passion of mine. Which brings us to, uh, we're talking about Marvel Animation. Earlier this week, we got a trailer for Hitmonkey, Marvel's new animated series, which will debut on Hulu November 17th of this year. So, Aaron, you were the one who gave me the heads up that this had dropped, I want to say, on Monday. What, yeah. what did you think of it? Not hooked yet. Mm-hmm. It's it, it hasn't quite grabbed me. At first, it was just my first shocked uh, initial awareness of it. Like, oh, this is a thing. I didn't yep. realize that this was a thing. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the cast of Jason Sudeikis. Yes. Who, I mean, come on, Ted Lasso. You can't say a bad word about the guy, right? Didn't he just take home the best actor in a comedy Emmy the, 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 the previous evening? Yeah, like Ted Lasso won all the things. It, like they were, they were actually dipping the dinner plates in gold and just giving them to him. <laughs> like, here, take this. We got a fork here. I dipped it in bronze. Take that as well. You've earned it. Whatever you've done, it's worthy. Uh, Olivia Munn, part of the cast. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Olivia, on the on the new uh, upcoming baby. But she's part of the cast. And then uh, George Takei, who I got to see here in Indianapolis, and it was a wonderful, wonderful show. So. I love all three of the people that they brought up as the initial cast, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch it. Yep. And uh, we're going to see how it goes. But I have no idea if I'm going to enjoy it. I hope I enjoy it. I hope so. I'm waiting for the the next trailer or the next thing that goes, where that moment where I go, aha, this -hmm. is what I'm tuning in for. I haven't got that moment of what, what am I tuning in for yet outside of the cast. I'm there for the cast. What's the story nugget? Mm it wound up in hulu much like modok and that seems to be for the the fairly adult content and i think again you know you're right right now we have the teaser trailer which is sort of giving us a sense of the style and the overall world but it just haven't quite hooked into the characters yet on the other hand what's kind of interesting we were talking about that disney plus day Marvel special, looking forward to the future. And supposedly as part of that show, we're going to get to hear about Marvel Animation's more kid-friendly show, and that's I Am Groot. That'll be part of the uh, the special that drops on November 12th. I'm going to stop you there for a second, Jim. I'm going to do a little wish fulfillment mm-hmm. uh, live on the air. Okay. I sometimes spend long hours writing commercials for clients for Mm -hmm. different products sometimes tires sometimes pantyhose i would love i would love to work on a show called i am groot as a writer Mm -hmm. because i have a feeling much of the cop much of the copy will be pasted copy and paste i am groot said groot Groot looked confused turned to his companion and said i am groot 
I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot. Copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. Oh, that's a full day of work. It's time for cocktails at lunch, boys. Uh, Thanks I, for letting I, me. Right? I don't know. Again, somebody who, who's dabbled in screenwriting writing decades ago. I actually would come at this with the exact opposite feeling, get it to the effect of it's a cute conceit that all this character ever says is I am Groot. But it's just like when you're, you're working on a screenplay where it's like, that to me sounds like you're right. I am Groot. And then you have to follow that with a parenthetical phrase where quizzical, you know, I am Groot. Yeah, well, no, definitive, see, that's, you know. I, I believe it was uh, possibly Neil Gaiman that gave that little bit of advice of mm-hmm. when he was writing something and they were like, well, weren't you worried about how it looked? And he's like, I left that to the person who had to draw the darn thing. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I would type in, I am Groot, and then he would emote through his eyes a sense of yearning for his mother from when he was three, you know, and it's like, how, all right, artists, go ahead and figure that one out. I'm off to go have cocktails with the boys. <laughs> okay. All right. That, that, I guess that's the thing. I have a little more empathy for the, the folks on the animation side. It's like, you know, I thought. Oh, I didn't say that you had to be a nice person when you did that. I'm just uh, saying that's how they handled it. It was just like, your problem now. I've pulled the pin on the grenade and tossed it in your lap what do you do hot potato hot potato time to go to work speaking of of challenging shows the companion series for i am groot we've got moon girl and devil dinosaur this one is headed to the disney channel it's being produced by disney television animation in, in partnership with marvel animation and cinema gypsy productions and isn't slated to debut till February of next year. But it has kind of a a fascinating backstory. It's early 2017, and Lawrence Fishburne gets called into Marvel Studios. And Lawrence has worked with the folks at Marvel before. Remember, he was the the gentleman who voiced the title character for 2007's uh, Fantastic Four, uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer. And they were interested in, you know, having Lawrence come back to work at Marvel. And the thing that was on the table at that time was the, the role of Bill Foster for the, the Ant-Man sequel, uh, 2018's Ant-Man and the Wasp. And so president of Marvel Studios, Louis Desposito, they kind of lay out a buffet just in case Lawrence Fishburne isn't necessarily interested in doing the Ant-Man sequel, you know, they've got him in the room. They, they want to see if there's something else they can get him on the hook for. And there on the table is a copy of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. And the interesting thing is that Lawrence Fishburne, as a child, read the original thing that launched the series Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur. And he talked, you know, about how much he enjoyed the sh- that particular comic, and he expressed an interest of, yeah, if you're going to do something with this, I'd like to be involved. In fact, maybe I would be interested in coming on as a producer or maybe as a voice actor. And the folks at Disney really, really, really like Lawrence Fishburne. Did you ever get to see the the very short lived Muppet sitcom that ran on? ABC. ABC. And like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. They had a wonderful running gag. The premise of the show is they're producing a talk show, a Up Late with Miss Piggy on the Disney lot. It's supposed to air after Jimmy Kimmel on ABC. And so Kermit would be in a, a golf cart going from one soundstage to another soundstage. And 
Throughout the course of the series, whenever Kermit was in his golf cart, Lawrence Fishburne would appear in a, a different golf cart riding right next to Kermit and taunt him. Just the whole notion of who on this planet could insult Kermit the Frog, and it turns out it's Lawrence Fishburne, and he was wonderful at it. Lawrence was available to do that because they were shooting Blackish on the Disney lot. And Lawrence has been in show business a very long time, and he, for example, knew that this year, Blackish is headed into, I want to say it's seventh season, and then it's final season on ABC. And they've actually proposed a, a spinoff of Blackish called Oldish, where it's Lawrence Fishburne and, and Jennifer Lewis, who plays his ex-wife. In fact, I think at the end of the last season, they remarried. But at, at this point, Disney hasn't committed to making Oldish yet. They've made Grownish, which airs on Freeform, and they had Mixish, uh, which ran for... It's like they've got all these different shows with Ish at the end. Meanwhile, someone mm. is loading up a golf cart with golf clubs, and they're like, Lawrence, come over here, come over here. Just shush, shush, shush. That's all right, that's all right. Just get in the cart, get in the cart. Hey, yeah. uh, guys, grab Kermit, grab Kermit, grab the camera. All right, let's go, let's go. Hey, we're going to just go play some golf real quick while we, sh we talk business. We're going to talk some shop here. Like, hey, yeah. look who's rolling up. That's Kermit. Tell him to go to hell. Just tell him to go to hell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Lawrence is like, what's going on? Do you want to make another ish show or don't you? Just tell Kermit to go to hell or we're not going to let you sign the papers. Mm -hmm. By the way, you're on the you're on the T next. Good luck. It's par four. Dog leg left. <laughs> I don't know if you, you saw I, just in the past week or so, we finally got the trailer for Matrix uh, Resurrection. Uh, yeah, debut. he's been replaced. He's been he, recast. He has. He wasn't too youngish. So they had to well, replace I, him with an, a youngish, more actor because he's oldish. Which is kind of interesting, given that Keanu has a few miles on him now. But Lawrence got asked about this lately, and he said, "I am not in the next Matrix movie, and you'll have to ask uh, Lana Wachowski why, because I don't have an answer for that." He. Did say, however, that he wishes to cast well. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, he should know mm -hmm. because now, all right, so we're going to go deep nerd. Yep. Everyone put on your raincoat. You could get mm -hmm. some nerd on you. Mm -hmm. Splash. Here we go. Um, they had a video game called The Matrix Online. So glad you bring this up. Please explain what happened to and Morpheus, right? Morpheus gets gunned down in an alley, so to speak, and killed mm -hmm. off. And mm -hmm. they consider these events that happened within the game to be canon um, because also... In between the, the Matrix movies, they had a, a PlayStation game that was a, a Matrix game where mm. the events that happened between the movies, like you had to drop off a letter in the post office to get mm. a message to so-and-so. And there were scenes that took place within the context of the movies, but from the, the perspective of a different character that you didn't see on screen at that moment. And then they end up meeting up. And it was a really very well-executed game. But they did the same thing with the uh, the Matrix Online and, and more bites it so mm. to speak gets killed off and that is supposedly canon for the matrix storyline hence uh he ain't got no job no mo there is a rather popular belief that but morpheus's death was faked Oh my goodness, is there a Zapruder <laughs> film of this one as well? I, Are we going to examine I, back into the left a hundred thousand times? I do not know what to tell uh, you. But, there's but, always but, a conspiracy theory, especially with the Matrix peoples. All right, anyway, to double back to Moon Girl and, and Devil Dinosaur, uh, Lawrence is executive producing it. I want to say he's also 
voicing a character on the show, sort of a trickster villain called the Beyonder. But hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more of this show as part of that Marvel special, which again will air on November 12th, Disney Plus Day, which I don't think is a thing, but Disney's pushing it. Last bit of news for this week, Venom Let There Be Carnage has begun screening around the country. They've been doing some some test audiences and that sort of thing, and the Screen time for Venom Let There Be Carnage is considerably shorter than the original Venom film from two years ago. That film was an hour and 52 minutes long. The sequel is an hour and 37 minutes long. And when asked about this, Andy Serkis explained that he deliberately cut the sequel to be tight because he wanted it to be a real thrill ride. And he didn't want the film to be bogged down by too much exposition. I just have to say, I find it fascinating that Martin Scorsese, when he says that Marvel films are are more like theme park rides than films, that's bad. Whereas when Andy Serkis says, cuts, let there be carnage, so it's a real thrill ride, that's good? Yeah, okay, so that's this is how it works, Jim. <laughs> okay. It, uh, it, it's, it, no, this will clean it up real quick for anyone who out there who's confused along with you. Mm-hmm. When I make a pie... And I have to tell you it's a pie because you don't know it by the look of it. Mm-hmm. And you eat it. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Okay. But when my grandma makes a pie, ah, looks like a pie, smells like a pie, tastes like a pie. You'll love it. So that's how two different people can say, here's a pie. And it means two totally different things. Right? Okay. Scorsese is, I mean, he makes gangster movies, mm-hmm. criminals, mafia, bosses, mm-hmm. and hitmen, and like that. Mm-hmm. He couldn't even fathom the concept of putting a cape over someone's shoulders for any reason. He would need to know the story reason of why this character puts on a cape. Like, what is, is there a meaning to the fabric? I mean, you know, like, he would just break at that point. He couldn't get beyond something fantastical or or something whimsical. Something that happens for absolutely no reason. And much like a David Lynch story, real life, uh... Stuff happens that is completely inexplicable. Things happen out of nowhere that you, you were not planning for. That's why we always say, you know, you make plans and then life happens. And God laughs. Ha ha. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that two people can say the exact same words and mean completely different things. And one will cheer. Yay, it's a pie. And the other ones go, boo, that's not a pie. But you say it's a pie. Damn it. Why do I have to eat this? Because it's polite. <laughs> Before we close here, oh, oh, uh, uh, another Venom. thing, quick note. Everybody who's seen Venom, Let There Be Carnage, has been really good about not revealing spoilers, uh, other than to say that Woody Harrelson is amazing as Carnage. But the one thing they just say over and over again is do not miss the end credits. Stay for the scenes. Scenes with an S. It's going to be iPhone footage of Tom Holland coming out of like a bathroom stall or something. <laughs> like some candid footage that he didn't realize he was a part of. Some Sony exec snucking in at the last minute. Like, look, guys, it's Tom Holland. Spider-Man's in it. All right, credits. Go. Shut up. Well, that <laughs> which brings us once again to No Way Home. And you came across a fascinating Little tidbit in regard to this movie, which ties back to the Raimi Spider-Mans, right? Absolutely, because, you know, we've got all of the old villains coming back. You got Mm -hmm. Doc Ock. Alfred Molina's been talking about this. Hell, before they even were rolling footage, he was Mm -hmm. sending out, you know, telegrams to the news. By the way, did you know I'm in Spider-Man 3? Pass the word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that that how it went? Something like that. Anyway. 
while uh, people are interviewing uh, famous people, for some reason, Topher Grace was out doing publicity things, and someone asked him, hey, are you going to be in the Spider-Man 3 as well? Because everybody else is. Mm-hmm. He said, please, please keep this between us, but yes, I am in it. The plot starts with Peter Parker, bum that everyone knows his identity, and then some crazy happens with Doctor Strange and Doctor Octopus comes into his dimension. Then Electro and the Green Goblin hop out of one of those energy circles and they're like, it's spider stomping time. Then Tom Hardy and I pop out and battle each other and I win, obviously. It's not like even a fight. I just kick his ass immediately. But not to give too much away, but there is also some actors from the original 70s Spider-Man show. Uh, Aquaman and Batman. Uh, Affleck, not Keaton. <laughs> they cross over. And uh, thanks to Disney, Han Solo Ghost from Rise of Skywalker and that Eve robot from Wally. Again, please keep this just between you and me, okay? That was a direct quote, by the way. Wow. So, Jim, <laughs> what have we learned? When when an actor is actually in a Marvel movie and you ask them, are you in this Marvel movie that shows up on your IMDb as being in this Marvel movie? They go, no, no, I've never heard of Marvel. Kevin who? Feige? And I, no, I've never heard of the guy. Uh, what's what's Marvel? Is that a new thing? And if someone's not in the movie and they're asked about it, they go, oh, yes, yes. And then they BS for like the next 10 minutes <laughs> about impossible things that will never happen. And it's just a hoot. Wow. That, Thanks I, to Topher for having a, a good old-fashioned sense of humor. By the way, I interviewed him decades ago for that 70s show when that first started. Mm-hmm. I remember my boss is like, that show will never take off. They talk about pot. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed. Oh, did I laugh? Oh, what a hoot that was. And there it went for like, what, 10 seasons or whatever. It, and it did. And, he, and did a, he did a good job. I, I always enjoy Topher Grace. He's doing a, a new show right now for ABC at the sitcom. In fact, I uh, got picked up for a second season. Yeah. Um, though I have to admit, my favorite part of the 70s shows, do you remember whenever after they would have imbibed, they'd go upstairs and, and the walls know, would move? Yes, that was While they're honestly. Chewed up by their parents, yeah. Yes, that, that was honestly my favorite effect in an age of television work, you know, there were all the CG work and that sort of thing. The fact that they did that, that they made the wallpaper move. And you you and I both know that's literally some teamster moving. Right, just, yeah, <laughs> flipping yeah. it around. And there yeah. was one, I think, where uh, I just watched it a couple of days ago where Donna was yelling at Eric and <laughs> the, it, they were spinning the wall behind her. And I was thinking it's like that, that was where the sandwich board spinner got invented. <laughs> Was that dude who spun the wall on that '70s show was out of work for a couple of weeks, and he's just like, "Hey, give me that, give me that board. Let me show you something. Hey, sandwiches mm. over here. Spin it, spin it. Check it out. Woo! Mm. Where'd you learn that? I used to work on the '70s show when they were stoned. I used to spin the walls." <laughs> okay folks we're a little far afield from from what we usually talk about for marvelous season but again i hope you've enjoyed today's show and remember next week is october 1st is when uh venom let there be carnage uh will be arriving in theaters so sadly because aaron and i will be recording the show on on wednesday next week uh we won't get to talk about that yet but i get the show after that we will discuss what gets revealed in those post-credit scenes so until then though we have some other shows here you might want to listen to we've got the disney dish with lentesta likewise we've got fine-tuning with drew taylor in fact we're going to be recording a new episode of that later this week and, and what's kind of cool about that is we're going to get to talk with kirk thatcher 
the longtime Muppet veteran who is directing the uh, Muppet Haunted Mansion. So uh, hopefully that'll be fun to listen to in a week or so. Aaron, can you, can you tell folks how they can find you on social media as well? Yeah, go to Twitter and look at me at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. And uh, similarly, Nancy would like me to remind you that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And that'll do it for this week, folks. But we'll be back with a brand new Marvelous Disney next week. So till then, thanks for listening.